Look, man, I know we call ourselves amateurs, but what do you mean you couldn't figure out how to do the intro song? It's literally listed in the show notes. What? Wait, what What did you do for the intro song then? One, two, three, four. Na, 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 Sky music. Na, 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 Staring the sun and now I'm fading out. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Hour. This is going to be a Chris Davis-less episode. But luckily I am joined by two excellent fellows. Alex Warren, as you may know him from Talking Jacks. And another podcaster, uh, Hugh Roberts. Oh, yeah, and he does play a little bit of soccer, too. He's uh, a defender with the, the Charlotte Independence. But, uh, yeah, welcome both of y'all to the show. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, glad to get this orchestrated and get this going. But, uh, but yeah, well, I decided to uh, bring Hugh onto the show. Um, even though he is a uh, professional now, of course, he, he did play amateur soccer for – for a short time there uh, to prepare him to be a pro. And I thought it'd be interesting to get his perspective uh, on those types of things there. But, um, but yeah, Hugh, tell us a little bit about um, your path in soccer before you went pro um, so, and, and how your path went. Yeah. Yep. So growing up, I played for Potomac Cougars in Maryland. Um, this is before Academy. Academy came around my junior year of high school. So then Potomac Soccer Club transitioned to Academy. And so there from Academy through the showcases and tournaments, I got looked at through colleges. And then I went to George Mason University. When I went to Mason, I played for the Baltimore, um, the Casimir Bays. I don't know if you heard of them, Baltimore Bays. Um, so I played with them my freshman, sophomore year. And, and then that's when Baltimore Bohemians, the PDL team, came around. So my sophomore year, I played for the B- the Baltimore Bohemians and the U19 base team. And then my junior year was just strictly the Bohemians. And I mean, it was very competitive. We qualified for playoffs my two years and it was very competitive because everyone's current college soccer players, some are ex-pros, and most of the guys are still trying to make their way up to the professional realm. So everybody's competing. And we lost to Reading, um, Reading United both times, both years in the first round. But they've had current pros that are playing in the major leagues now pros that are in the USL now, like it's very competitive. So I recommend to any kid that's in college or still trying to make their way up, just fight with the amateur team first and then work your way up. Cause it's a great path now as well with the mm. um, league one around and the championship around as well. Yeah, definitely. So tell us about the, uh, I guess your thought process and how that connection happened with you playing in a PDL now league two club uh, when you were in college. Um, Back then, we kind of looked at it as more of like your fitness and training for the summer because there wasn't necessarily the path to go from PDL to league one, the championship. It was mostly just like, okay, we need fitness. We need a team, a very competitive league to play for all summer. And that's the team that you play for or, you know, wherever you are locally. So that's what it was. I mean, obviously you want to win the championship with stuff and you know, there's colleges looking at you. If there's transfers, you want to transfer anywhere else or, professional teams that possibly are looking at you as well. Like I think Reading is affiliated with um, Philadelphia Union. So I know Union Scouts will look at them as well. So it kind of, I think the mindset's changed now that there's a straight path from PDL to the league one, the championship. And, you know, it's given players a lot more opportunities, but back then the mindset was a little different, but it was still very competitive. Yeah. That leads me to kind of one of my biggest questions. You, you mentioned the miss of the league and, 
Um, one thing that just always stands out to me and all the players are, it seems like they're kind of slapped together at the last minute. And maybe some of the conversations happen, you know, throughout the winter as well. Um, it's just not really advertised uh, or announced. I mean, but mm-hmm. you know, how does, how does the team getting a result, you know, as a professional, obviously it's your job. You have, you're, you're with these guys every day. Um, but once you, once you're at that amateur level and you're, just for fitness or uh, some guys treat it more as an audition. Um, what kind of drives the team to be, uh, you know, playing for playing for each other or, you know, where's that camaraderie come from? Yeah. So for us in Baltimore, a lot of us play club either against each other or with each other. So I play club um, with them as well. So a lot of us transition together, like a good 12, 13 of us all transition to the Bohemians. So we already had the camaraderie from the start. But I think, you know, the competitive and the drive was more so you're playing against guys you're playing against in college as well. So, you know, the trash talking is always going to be there when you see them in the season. You don't want to – and you want to show everybody else that you're the best PDL team in the summertime because that – your name and what team you play for holds a lot in the PDL mind. And even college was like, oh, you play for so-and-so PDL team. Like, you know, it's a very good PDL team. And you want to keep the, that standard as well. So – I know for our two years, especially in our second year, we had a good first year, the Bohemians, and then second year we followed up, probably only lost like one or two times. And we just wanted to keep that competitiveness and show everybody that we were still a good soccer city in Baltimore. Very cool. That is something I've been kind of curious on too because it's the, the matches are very competitive in the, in the PDL, but you definitely do see different types of clubs and, and things like that. So it's – it's interesting to hear that perspective. That's yeah, for sure. I think it's changed a little now, you know, with the, like I said, the straight, more of a straight path and you see the connection, you see the affiliates now and, you know, every game's on ESPN plus as well. So there's, you're being scouted consistently and there's a lot more into it. And it's not just a fitness thing for the summertime anymore. And, and kids are actually, you know, getting um, free housing and things like that and getting taken care of. So, I think the mindset shifted a little bit, but it's still a very good amateur league to be in. Yeah, that's for sure. So tell us a little bit how, because one thing I'm kind of curious on too is, <clears throat> excuse me, how that transition happened from you, uh, I guess, leaving George Mason and then going into the pro ranks and uh, just kind of tell our listeners how that, uh, that next phase of your career uh, progressed. Um, so basically I went, uh, I was on the draft board. I was like 97th out of a hundred and, you know, I didn't get drafted. And so me and three other guys in my senior class, we wanted to continue playing soccer. So we drove down to Florida for a combine. I think it was the info sport combine we were there for like four days. Um, didn't hear back, didn't even get a review for anybody. So now it's like me and my guys are like, okay, what are we doing next? So we drove to Harrisburg for, seven weeks straight trying trying out for the team there didn't make it went up to rochester for four days um didn't make it and then went down to richmond open trials again and then you know they're gonna it was like a sunday they called me and they, i was gonna supposed to go to charlotte eagles on like the following monday and i told coach i told lee and i was like listen he called me and said if you have other opportunities you should take it and i said the Eagles said the same thing but, you know, it's more of a nonprofit organization and things. And they offered me a contract there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, we'll take you. And then from there, um, it was like an option and two year, or sorry, one year guaranteed and two year option. And then I had a decent first year and it picked up my two year option. And from there, here I am. 
So was that the the Charlotte Eagles you're referring to? Charlotte Eagles, yeah. Before they're in, oh. I was uh, in contact with them while I was in Richmond, and they wanted me to come down like a Monday. But I was in preseason Richmond for like two weeks, and he didn't give me a decision yet. And I said, Lee, I'm getting ready to leave like this Sunday. I need to know kind of. And he then they offered that Sunday, and then it just worked out because I was finishing school and. I still had a house up there with my friends, so I just commuted and finished school that way. Nice. Very cool. It's funny how that kind of worked out for the best in some ways. And it's, it's interesting to see that, <clears throat> excuse me, it's interesting to see how that your story has kind of uh, come full circle with you now playing in Charlotte. I know. It's funny. I was talking about that to somebody else the other day. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say that I knew that you uh, had uh, the opportunity to maybe play for the Eagles. Was that – that would have been back when they were in uh, – was it USL Pro back then, or was that just USL It was pro. general? It was, it was pro. USL Pro. Okay. Gotcha. This was right. 2014. It was pro. Oh, it was, yeah. it was okay, that would have been there. Yeah. I think that would have been the there last year. season then, as yeah. pro ranks. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, in, that, in that ways, it's almost for the best, too, even more so, because then you were – you did play for a couple years in Richmond. Is that correct? Three years, correct. Three years, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that, so then, uh, what would you say the the amateur ranks did to prepare you to make that transition into being a pro and like maybe the travel schedule and things like that? How did that aid in you um, making that transition? Yeah, probably the travel schedule and the game schedule. We were playing at some point. I remember playing at least two games a week, and that's kind of how it is now. With Open Cup. And then you're, I mean, you're playing consistently traveling every weekend home and away. It's basically the same thing as being a pro. So, yeah, that, that prepared you and just the talent level. I mean, back then I was 19, 20 years old, but there's still guys I remember I was playing against that were 23, 24, and that were like ex-pros are still trying to make it out. So the, the whole league was talented. Um, so you know you had to bring your A game just to represent your city, your club, your school, and just to show out in front of everybody else. So it was good. I mean, I – Definitely would recommend it to anybody, like I said before. And if I could do it again, I'd definitely do it for as long as possible. So one thing I'm kind of curious on, too, is if you were um, – <clears throat> you kind of touched base with this on your podcast, which I don't know if I've actually mentioned by name, uh, but it's Backyard Footy. It's great. Listen to it. Uh, there's some video content uh, you've been putting out as well that's it's really well done as well. Um, but uh, something you kind of uh, mentioned or kind of le- talked about in some ways, but if you were to go back, do you think if you had the opportunity to go pro, do you think you would have gone pro or, or stayed in the, uh, the amateur ranks and, and go to college and get your education in that way? Uh, are we talking about back then or how things are now? How things are now, yeah. Um, how things are now, if I knew, especially if I'm in the MLS Academy or I knew I had a good chance, I'd probably go pro if that's my dreams. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's just because there's a lot more opportunities now with different leagues and, you know, it's pretty, it's very, it's getting very serious and I could just feel the whole soccer community in this country warming up. So, I mean, back then it was still pretty strong, but I didn't even know about the USL in high school or college like that. Mm. And that was until my junior, senior of college that I realized I'm not going pro in MLS that, Okay, there is the Richmond Pickers, there is Harrisburg Islanders, but I can't tell you we didn't we didn't talk about that once in college because I really didn't even know about the league like that. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting uh, that the league has come more uh, sort of like a household name in some ways. Yeah, like. definitely. So I mean, even now, even when I was in Bethlehem, I would talk to kids and you know Esau, who's now with Bethlehem, 
I talked to him because we played Duke in preseason. He told me he's considering taking the contract. And I was like, listen, like, if you have this opportunity and they're talking about giving him, you know, maybe an MLS opportunity and you need, if you know this for sure, that you need to take it. And then he ended up taking the um, steel contract. You know, it's, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I know a couple of the other boys in the academy are taking steel contracts as well. And mm-hmm. steel is a good organization. So if you don't make it out there, you're still going to make it out somewhere in the USL. And you can, I know guys are still paying for school and you're still going to be able to get your degree. And, you know, if you're doing something you love and you're passionate about, you should follow it. Yeah, that's a good point about Bethlehem. I feel like they do a good job. You know, if they don't pass them along to the MLS squad, they do usually end up somewhere else in the USL yeah, playing yeah. at a high level. I mean, you just look at, I think the um, latest one is Santi Moar. I mean, he's right. out there tearing it up for New Mexico. And right. he was he was playing in Bethlehem for the last few years. So that's yeah, definitely I'll never forget his rise too. I remember he, when he first came, those first like three, four months, he wasn't, he was just warming up and then he found his form like the last four months and now he's on fire. I can't, I'm happy for him. Very happy for him. Yeah. It's so cool. So, how do you think? I know this is kind of a big picture question, but where do you see, I guess, the soccer scape moving towards as far as, um, in America with the amateur soccer ranks and then with maybe going pro or what do you think is uh, how the soccer verse will uh, progress in the next couple of years? Cause it has changed so rapidly the last few years here. Yeah. I think it's going to continue on the path where you're starting to see more and more kids either taking a USL, definitely taking a USL contract and, you know, foregoing college more and more kids with the league continuously getting stronger and you're starting to see more and more clubs with thousands of fans and a good support group. And there's a lot, there's a lot of money in this league, especially in the East. And that's why this, this whole league right now is so talented. And there's a lot of upsets and stuff just because there's a lot more money into it. So players can actually support themselves. And I know in the next five years, they'll be living comfortably. So I think there's going to be a trend and the trend will continue where you're starting to see more young kids. Cause even if you're 16, 17, you know, going pro and you play four years, you're still very young, 21, you know, 22, 20. You're, you're with the experience as well. So I think kids are going to start doing that, and you're starting. To, you're going to start to see a rise in talent in the U.S. Yeah, I think the most promising thing, too, because to be honest with you, I've only the last couple, four or five years or so, I've kept track of soccer and uh, last couple of years or so, learned the different size of the amateur ranks and things like that. But it's it's really cool to see that there's just more opportunities for players, honestly. And it's I think it's going to be really exciting moving forward to see <clears throat> different types of uh, things being able to find the talents that are there. Um, is I think one thing that's going to be really interesting uh, as we move forward. Yeah, I completely agree. I had a quick question kind of about to take mm-hmm. the conversation a little bit in a different direction um, about your time at George Mason and, and kind of your thoughts on college soccer. Um, it seems like the hot topic in, in NCAA soccer is always like how to fix it. Um, talking about, you know, lengthening the schedule, making it go, you know, have a dual schedule where you play in the fall and in the spring um, kind of what your thoughts are in terms of that and how that might affect some of these leagues like the PDL or MPSL that who rely on through the summer. Yeah. And I think the prop the only thing 
with the conflict with that is because it's going to collide with the MLS schedule because they start in early Jan- or late January, February. And if there's a college season in the spring and these kids are going to like Ma- or May, June in their season, that's still midway in the MLS season. So I, I really don't know how they're going to fix that. But I do think the college game needs to be fixed in general because, to be honest with you, it depends on the school you go to. If you go into a high-quality and caliber school, you're going to understand and learn soccer completely different than a mid-major and a lower-tier school. Like I, To be honest with you, I really – George Mason taught me a lot, but I really didn't know the game of soccer until I got to Richmond. And Richmond Lee, yeah, he groomed me in a lot of ways because I really thought I knew it, but – College was a completely different game. I mean, we were just a mid-major, so we're fighting and scrapping against these um, upper-tier teams, and, you know, we were successful at it. But in terms of learning the game, ball movement, moving off the ball, just playing out the back and things, I really didn't understand it until Richmond. Um, and, yeah, I mean, with the problems in the college and the, the two seasons they might want to do, I mean, I think it's, I think they tried a spring schedule this past spring or the year, spring before but, I mean, they do need to play more games. They're only playing 19, 20 games in three months, man. Mm-hmm. Like, not soccer. And they – I mean, obviously you can't extend it from the summertime because PDL and school doesn't start until August. But 19 games in three months span, and then you're off for a little bit. And the spring season doesn't really count because you're just running fitness and you can't touch a ball mm-hmm. for X amount of days. I really don't understand why the NCAA has that rule because they should be touching the ball as often as possible, still playing in the league and still making it very competitive. But they do need to play more often and more games and practice some more just to keep the cal- caliber and quality up. That's really interesting, the tidbit you just said about you didn't really know the game until you went to Richmond. Uh, do you think that that is the case with a lot of guys who turn pro? I think a good amount. When, yeah, I, I, I think, this, like I said, depends on the school you go to because different schools teach you different styles of things, but a lot of the lower-tier mid-majors, like, talking to a bunch of guys they really it's an eye opener at first and the game comes at you fast and you just have to learn to play mm-hmm. very simple until you get that and then when you understand it calms down a lot for you but those early stages like I try to help a lot of the young boys even when I was in Richmond Steel Pittsburgh some of those young guys yeah I try to help them all the time just to help them calm down a little bit because it is nerve-wracking a little bit the game's much faster yeah that's really interesting that was all my questions, Ben, if you don't uh, yeah. if you have any more. I think that uh, puts a nice little bow on top of everything there. But I uh, definitely want to thank you uh, for being a part of the show, Hugh, uh, taking course. your time out of your schedule and everything. Um, where can uh, people find your podcast? And uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast as well, for those that may not know. Yeah, so I started a podcast called Backyard Footy. It's um, Backyard Footy on Twitter. Backyard Footy's on Facebook. Backyard Footy with two Ys on Instagram. Um, yeah, so I was basically a year ago sitting on my couch watching ESPN. They never really talk about soccer, and I feel like I have a good enough context throughout the East. I've been in this league for six years now. I wanted to give a platform for us soccer professionals and the second-tier players specifically because we're going through a grind, and a lot of us you know, rise to the major leagues. So just to hear our backgrounds and our stories is kind of an experience you don't really get someone to just share that and yeah give it a follow rate comment let me know what you think much appreciated yeah that, I, I'll definitely say as well it's it's really interesting to hear like you said the stories of players in USL I want to say you've interviewed some MLS players as well but just different backgrounds and things mm-hmm. like that their story 
going through American soccer. And it, I really love it because it, it really feels like you're fly on the wall listening to conversations you may not be able to listen to otherwise. That's completely so, uh, true, yeah. Yeah, so even definitely. Too, like, I don't, these are my boys, but mm-hmm. we're not just talking about our stories where we came from like that. So a lot of these, a lot of times I'm listening and I'm amazed myself because mm. I might see them, but I really don't know besides like playing against them or reading something on Google. Yeah, absolutely. But definitely, uh, I can't recommend the podcast enough, but uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. But uh, once again, just want to thank you for uh, for being a part of the episode, Hugh. And uh, thanks, Alex, for being my uh, co-host as well. This is a, a different soccer podcast we're doing now. We're <laughs> doing together for this one. But uh, but yeah, thank you both. Of course. Yeah, anytime. no problem.